Hello, my name is Chad Vandiver, and I want to welcome you to the third episode of the Empower One Network Conversations. Uh, it is my privilege to serve as the director of the Empower One Network, and we're excited about all that God is doing through Empower One Church Planners throughout Northeast Africa. Well, we are very, very grateful that you joined us today. Uh, this is a very special episode. Uh, on today's episode, I'm joined by one of our newest partners, Zach Musa, who is the Director of Prayer and International Ministries at Mission Hill Church in Temple Terrace, Florida. Zach is a prolific evangelist living in a community where there are many Sudanese people groups. And so he's going to be sharing some best practices for how he's led those Sudanese friends to, to Christ. I'm also joined, as always, with by Mike Congrove, Matt Jones, and Zachary Potts. And so, guys, man, you look great in your Power One Network gear. Uh, I'm uh, excited to, to share with everyone. Today is brought to you by Empower One Swag. And so we are excited uh, to get to, to, to share that with you. And just want to let you know, if you see something that you like and you are interested in getting some Empower One Swag, feel free to email me at chad at empower-one.org or text me at 940-268-6792. And I would love to talk to you and just get to know you and learn how we can serve together. Well, uh, as we begin our conversation today, uh, we're gonna be talking about African leadership lessons, and more specifically, the leadership lessons we can learn from our African brothers and sisters that we need to begin applying here in the US. And so Zach, you were born into a Christian family in Niger. Um, how did you become a Christ follower? And then how did that lead to you serving on staff at Mission Hill Church? Well, glad it's such a, a pleasure and honor also to just be on this video together with you and Mike, my goodness, and Zach and the Matt, hearing the great job that you guys have been doing. And last time after our meeting, I went I went on Paul's um, website and checked the amazing job that you guys are doing. I, I just can't hold back them to get on my knees and just start thanking God for all of you. It's just amazing. So thank you so much. Um, African need heroes like you oh, that you. understand the vision and the missions. You know, God give me a revelation. It's not really it's something that everybody shall know that before the throne of grace, one day people from every tribe, every culture, every color, every language will be represented before God praising the Lamb forever. So I tell people, listen, there's some tribal group right now they're unreach. You don't even know how to reach them, mm -hmm. but they will not be missing one day before God. There have to be some people from that tribal group before the throne of God, yeah. worshiping him forever. So I thank God for the opportunity. Uh, I can say, you know, I'm blessed to be um, part of the first family to be touched by the gospel in Niger. So when missionary came to Niger, pretty much my, my family was the first family, among the first family to be touched by the gospel. So my grandfather is among the first pastors indigenous from that land. I remember telling me the story that like, hey, the government say we have to bring at least 200 Christians, not really converts, Christians that believe in this new religion that we, they're practicing it for us to even accept you to, to accept you officially as a religion. So it's something like it took them two years from villages to villages, from city to city to train people, get 200 believers. But so... I grew up in the in the, in the church, but I was thinking like, you know, I'm a believer. So for me, like, it's not a big deal. My mom and dad are Christians, so I'm just in. Yeah, I like singing the choir. I like going to the youth group, and I, 
I have so passionate about the Lord, but not realized like I'm not part of his family. Mm-hmm. I was just, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Jesus, but not really committed to him. Like I have, I have no relationship with him mm-hmm. until one day my grandfather invited a, a preacher from Nigeria and um, Christmas Day. 1987, I've never forget that day. That's the day I surrendered my life to Christ Jesus. And he was preaching, saying, like, you can't inherit heaven because your parents are Christian. You have to make your own decision, know that you're a sinner. Mm. I was so touched that day. I can't even wait for him to make the call to the altar. I was in the front standing. It's like, listen, I'm I'm just, I'm the one. I, I'm just ready right now. I don't get, don't let people to close their eyes. I want everybody to see me. Can you put me on TV right now? <laughs> I am not one person that you're talking about. And uh, it was such a great experience. And from that day, I'll never forget that day. My life was completely changed. And I, I went outside in the field. Listen, we live in Niger, just like uh, uh, one small village. I went out and I was just thanking God. I said, God, show me how big my sins. I was just seeing myself caught up like and I'm on the mountain trying to come to the top. I can't get to the top. And I, that is that's my sins. Hmm. And then and in, since in, instantly I just got caught up. I'm seeing in the field, I was running. I can't get to the end of the field. And God told me like, this is what I have done with your sins. I labeled the ground. I destroy all of them through Christ Jesus. You are mine now. It was such a great experience. And from that time, and uh, I was just completely um, sold out for, for the Lord and uh, continue working in the church, like helping as much as I can. After high school, you have the choice to to choose where you want to study, and then the government will will pay if you have a good grade. And so I said I want to go to France to study architecture. And then uh, somehow I was late, and then I said, well, you know what? I will go to Nigeria because they have a lot of Christians, like 50, 15 in Niger, like maybe one percent Christian, 99 percent Muslim. I said I maybe learn Christianity over there. So I end up going to Nigeria over there. On campus, get trained by the navigators. There's a professor over there. One of the professors, he was telling me like, hey, man, I've been praying for two years. Say, God, I want you to give me one student that I will train. Mm-hmm. And if uh, I poured on my life in him in two years, please, I will. I want to leave this university. So um, we got together and uh, I start bringing, say like, listen, I don't know how to share the gospel. It's on my own business. I will bring friends, French speaking students to you. You tell them about Jesus. But don't ask me to share. But I will do also Bible study with you. But I'm, I'm, that's it. That's like I'm, I, I go to church back home. My grandfather is a pastor. But I think it's enough. I've never really has the zeal or the passion to really share the gospel with them. And um, I start bringing students. You know, some start giving their life to Christ Jesus. I learned the bridge, you know, sharing the gospel methods, Bible uh, uh, memorization. I'm doing it with this guy until one day I brought a lot of students. And he said, like, well. Today, you'd wonder you're going to present the gospel to them. It's like, well, you didn't tell me that. I start getting anxious and getting mad. It's like, no, 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 just, just, just be yourself. Just get up and do it. Mm-hmm. A student from Chad Republic <laughs> gave his love to Christ Jesus. Can you imagine that? Yeah. And the next week, he called me. It's like, hey, listen, my time is over. I'm asking for a transfer. Now you're ready. I asked God for one. And he blessed me with one. You're going to do what I'm doing here. I'm moving now. And he left. It was uh, uh, such a great journey. I just continued what he's doing. My my room always have students. You know, I always share the gospel, give tracts. And, you know, I will always approach students that are not believers. 
you know, I'm just to friend them and try to get to know them and then end up sharing the gospel with them. From that one, a lot of students on that campus come to Christ Jesus. And that God started burning that fire and passion in me. And I get back home. I went back to all my friends that we went to school together. Remember, Niger is a really, really, my goodness, uh, more than 99% Muslim. So I start telling them about Jesus and they get so mad. They say, like, Zach, you were there back home all your life with us. You never bothered us about your Jesus. It's now when you went to Nigeria, you came back, you disturbed me, everybody about Jesus. I said, what is this? Please, we just want your friendship, not your Jesus. Do you just to be quiet? Well, I was, uh, but I can't. I continue um, sharing the gospel with them. By God's grace, a lot of them come to Christ Jesus. And then uh, uh, to just go back on the story when I was a little bit five, six years old, my grandmother, she wanted, ever she saw me, she speak in my language to me like, you're going to be a pastor. I cried. I said, I hate you. I don't like this, what you're saying. I want to become an engineer and make so much money. I will fight back. And she get, she start laughing. So one day I was, I was telling her like, you know what? I don't like what you're saying. I will never be a pastor. I was really crying. I was mad at her. And she took me aside. She said, son, let me tell you something. The Lord told me you're going to be a pastor. Either you like it or not. You're going to run from him, but you're going to end up surrendering. But also he told me when you're going to be a pastor, you will never be a pastor in this country. You're going to be a pastor in faraway land. She said, I don't know which land is that. But you will not going to be a pastor back home here. And she ended with this. She said, also, the Lord told me I will not going to see with my eyes. So I will not going to be alive for you to fight me. Hmm. When you become a pastor, I will be in eternal glory. I didn't believe her. I didn't believe a word that she said. I just wanted to get her out of my back. Um, went to Nigeria, studied business administration, computer science, came back and get world, work with World Visions. Doing great and everything is fine. Life is good. Travel. Uh, getting, I uh, have a good salary and helping my church and so evangelists that I know they're struggling. I pretty much <laughs> give them money because I have, I'm earning so much money, but also I don't even have a girlfriend. I have in the family. I'm not renting, so I'm I'm really fine. So I'm just helping, investing in them financially. And then uh, one day my brother said, "Like, hey, I want to go to United States." I was like, "Well, well, good luck." It's like, "Well, how about you apply?" It's like, "No, I don't want to go to United States to do what? I have a great job. I'm educated." Um, he said, but you say you want to do your PhD. It's like, yeah, but I will go to France. I'm done with English. I study in Nigeria. I say, um, that is enough. I can express myself. I say, I don't want to go to any English speaking country again. Hmm. So he applied at that time. He's a form. You fill out the form you send to the embassy, whatever. So he fill up, uh, one for me. And then he and his friend, about 10 of us, I'm the only one that get a green card. The one that doesn't want to come, he's the one that get the green card. Wow. <laughs> uh, I prayed. I prayed 10 days in the prayer and fast. I said, Lord, I don't want to go. Please, I um, yeah. have to send my papers to qualification. Please disqualify me because I don't want to go to America. I don't know what to do. I have a job. I'm educated. I have a future in this country with the job that I'm doing. I'm already managing the sponsorship department um, uh, computer part of it. And I said, I have a future in this in this work. So. And then I was sent back the paper that I was qualified. I have six months to travel to United States. I keep on saying, okay, I will go next month. I ended, I landed here, I think the night that uh, they're supposed to cancel my visa. Wow. It was the last day yeah. of my visa to be active. I start working. Now, um, 
I the people, the farm that welcome me, I start going around you know, in the neighborhood trying to talk to people a little bit. But I'm just trying, struggling to find my way. So I went to the um, Publix store one day. I was wearing an African shirt, like colorful, you know, like pine. That's right. I didn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And then one young guy showed me like, hey, you must be from Africa. I said, yeah. I said, from which country? I said, Niger. He was from Togo. And instantly he switched to French. And he gave, gave me a big hug. We start talking. He said, are you married? I said, no, I'm not married. He's like, well, you're going to eat tonight at my house. <laughs> I said, so he gave me the address. And uh, when I get there, the wife, his wife told me like, uh, Hey, where are you from originally? I said, I'm from Niger. She said, oh, no. He did not tell me that. And I cook with pork. And you Muslim, you don't eat pork. <laughs> I said, oh, no, I'm not Muslim. I'm, I'm a Christian. It's like, from Niger? Like, you guys are Muslim. There's no Christian in that nation. We know you guys. It's like, uh, ah, there's few. And it's happened that I'm one of the few. <laughs> I said, how about you guys? He said, we're Catholic. I said, do you go to church? No. Yeah, we go mm. to church uh, twice a year. And Easter and Christmas. Then I told him, like, hey, um, if you don't mind, I can start a Bible study with you. We can give me a day. I'll be here. And then we start just starting the Bible and praying. They say yes. So we started Tuesday night. I'll go to their place with my Bible. I do exactly what I learned from the navigators. Mm -hmm. We start from the book of John. And uh, three months down the road, the husband prayed to receive Jesus. Wow. Uh, two months later, the wife. And I brought them to the church. I'm coming. The same Mission Hill Church used to be First Baptist Church Temple Terrace at that time. Yeah. They get baptized. And that group grew from three of us to about 30 of us. There's no apartment to contain us. So I asked the church, hey, I keep on bringing these guys. Say, so you keep on baptizing them. But this Bible study is too big now that for us to send an apartment. Yeah. They say, yeah, 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 we're going to give you a room. So we moved to the church and uh, they keep on coming. Right now, some move to different states. They have home groups. They're doing the same thing. They they invite other Africans in their in their places and just like sharing the gospel with them, doing the study, cooking African food, having a fellowship, but at the end, sharing the gospel with them. So I I I can tell you at hands like eight groups in Wisconsin, uh, Virginia, Maryland, and um other states. And because they spread from here and they move down there and they're doing the same thing. It's just so exciting. And um, and guess what? I get I get back to work here in United States in, in computer field and working with Microsoft. Things are fine. And then I find myself taking seminary classes with Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. So all my colleagues are pastors like, hey, who is paying your classes? Say, I'm paying my classes. Do you want to, are you becoming, do you want to become a pastor? Say, Absolutely not. I just love the Bible. <laughs> I just want to learn about Jesus. I want to deepen my knowledge in the Bible. I don't, I don't, I don't want to become a pastor. Uh, the church selected me to be a deacon here, and then I accepted. And I said, "Like, well, it's not a pastor, so I can do that." Mm -hmm. uh, finished seminary, get my masters, and then uh, the pastor that we leading international ministry and prayer left to start a church. And the pastor, first of all, called me. It's like, "Hey, man, Zach, everybody knows you have the calling. That's so obvious in your life. You're crazy about Jesus and sharing the gospel, yeah. and you have the degree." And we just want you to join this team. I said, like, no, I, I can't do that. I can help you before you find somebody. So I went home that day. I tell my wife, hey, the pastor told me, like, uh, to join the team and become a pastor. And then she told me, what did you tell them? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> then she paused and she said, like, that no that you tell them, is that from you or from the Lord? Well, that night I didn't sleep. <laughs> I, I get my knees and start praying. I was convinced within a week that I need to quit my job yeah. to be part of the church. 
I struggled a lot to say, God, this, this job pay me so much, pay me very well. I got a good benefit. And I can live that to join the church staff. It, it was so hard, but such a peaceful transition. When I told my company I'm quitting, they said, like, listen, you must be crazy. With all what we put you in here, you're going to leave this to go to work for a church. They can take care of you the way that we're going to do. But the Lord was so faithful to me. And I've been here now in this position for 10 years. Wow. And I've never knew that God is setting me up to even a greater work. The church opened the doors for refugees to come and learn English as second language. Then we have them from the Middle East, from part of Africa, mostly, my goodness, Sudan. Yeah, I get to love the Sudanese more than you can ever imagine. Mm. Uh, between Niger and Sudan is Chad. Yeah. So even with that, it's like, well, yeah, it's just one country among us, but you're still our neighbors, okay? So I will take it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We become good friends, and uh, I love them, and they love me. And when they notice, like, I'm on staff here, it's like, wow, we can relate. At least we have one of us that is on staff here, is even one of the leaders, so they love that. Mm -hmm. So during their break time, they always come to my office. We talk. At the beginning, they kind of are not really at ease because they're saying like, well, you stay here a long time, so you forget the tradition. You're more American than African. Mm -hmm. One day, I uh, was dropping them home, and they say like, no, you have to wait to eat with us. They're going to cook. So I sit down. After this, they cook and they serve the food, they bring spoon for me, and they, they all wash their hands. It's like, no, I don't need a spoon. I get up and wash my hands. They're watching. They were just so... In shock, it's like unbelievable. Is he gonna eat with his hand? I sat down with them. I refused to sit down on the chair. I sat down. They were so happy. They come and give me a hug, like, a, "Yes, you are truly an African man. You are an African man." They <laughs> were so happy. We ate that day. One of them's like, "Well, you have too much. I have to cut your hair." I sat down. He cut my hair. It was <laughs> such an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. And from that day. God just had opened a door for me to share the gospel with, with Sudanese. You know, they, it's, wow. I, I don't know, those who were coming down to Temple Terrace area were really, really strong Muslim. They don't play with their religions. They they, mm -hmm. they do their five-time prayers. Like, even during the classes, they will stop just to go and do their prayers. It's, it's just it's just so crazy. But God gave me such an opportunity to speak into their lives. Um, uh, as you know, they, they speak Arabic, and some of them, they speak Muslim. Yeah. one of the local language in there. And um, it's happened that I uh, uh, don't speak those languages. I know a little bit Arabic, but however, they they want to learn English. So they're fast learners. And I remember one day I was dropping them. We just keep on smiling to each other. You can see they want to talk to me and I want to talk to them, but the, the, the communication is not strong. The language is not there. And uh, yeah. so I was praying, so like, Lord, you have to help me to talk to these people. I need to communicate with them. It's that's such a great awesome. opportunity that's for me to share the gospel with them. Yeah. And uh, um, one of them is like, well, you know what? We transitioned through some French countries, so we pick up some French. I say, yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and that day was just an open door. I noticed like uh, some of them speak French uh, because they transitioned to a French country. And it was such, such oh my goodness, such a blessing. And those who speak French, I start translating with to. Uh, to all that guys what I'm saying before they pick up English and but it's within one year they were able to communicate and I'm telling you a lot of them come to Christ Jesus 
That's awesome, man. Well, thank you. I spent his friends. Yeah, thank you so much for doing that, Zach. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's there's so much there that we can learn from, and I'm thankful for you. I know uh, your senior pastor at Mission Hill always tells me, man, if if a, a table could convert to Christianity, Zach would would try to convert it. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for your passion for evangelism. We're gonna we're gonna pick up where we left off here, but uh, Mike, as as you hear Zach's story and just hear how the Lord has used him. Uh, what lessons do we need to learn from our African brothers and sisters? Yeah, thanks, Zach, for <clears throat> sharing uh, so much of that, so much of your story. Um, yeah, I think the thing that jumps out to me is hospitality. Hmm. Um, and, you know, the it's just, you know, second nature to immediately invite someone into your home for a meal and kind of insist on it. Hmm. <laughs> I think the... Um, so true. Um, yeah, I think the thing when we take Americans over, you know, the American mindset, you know, if we're going to visit someone's home is that we're disturbing that person. Yeah. And uh, I, I suspect Zach would say it's the complete opposite. It's uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's an honor to have a visitor come to your home. And, um, and when you're there, you really feel you really feel that. And so I think, I think hospitality is what jumps out at me is, is, um, a lot we could learn from our African brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I've seen that too. I mean, there, there are even books have been written on how to be good neighbors, you know, as believers and in Africa, I think that's just a natural part of the, the culture there. That is one other thing that I'd love to import <laughs> here to the U.S. Uh, well, uh, Zach, uh, when you began serving at Mission Hill Church and Temple Terrace, what are some of the lessons that you were able to import into that community? What are some things that you were able to teach maybe other staff members or uh, members of the, the church there? Well, good questions. You know, it's um, uh, cultural shocks are pretty much in every every culture that you came across. Um, and then if you come from different culture, you're going to have that that cultural shock. And uh, it was... Um, <laughs> Uh, so glad that Mike mentioned that um, I remember my first Christmas here, I called home, you can see the festivity, the, the the songs, the dance, it was such a joy. And then my mom said, where are you? I say, I'm in my apartment. With who? I say, I say alone. And she just started crying. She started, I'm back home. Wow. I'm back home. You need to come back home where you can have that fellowship. Uh, for Africans, really, I, 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 tell, I tell people, listen, we grew up in a culture that like, uh, you can't even go to work without checking on your neighbor. Yeah. You ask him how you doing, how's your family, how's your chicken, how's your, your goat? <laughs> you, you gotta ask everything, you know, only ask him for his children. And uh, no, you have to ask everything. And if we come back home in the evening, my goodness, you're about to eat, you invite your neighbors. You come, you gather around that meal is a is a time to rejoice and to have a fellowship. Wow. So so one thing that um 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 it's so different. They see me like, uh, even on staff here, I'll, I'll play with everybody. I'll make sure that, you know, I like to be ready. I would just make you laugh. And I'm seeing you like trying to just stick to yourself. I'm just like, what's wrong with you? I, I don't know, we're family here. You know, I'm just going to make sure that, you know, I I create something that will open up people because it's uh, it's a very, very important. I say like, listen, life is always better together. Yeah. And if you're going to be influential in life, if you're going to win somebody else, you have to be a people's person. You know, there's a leader here that uh, we have an organization that lead Muslim to crisis and we call it Muslim outreach. 
organization here in Tampa Bay area. The guy spent 10 years in the Middle East, speak Arabic very well as an American. He told me like, Zach, I can't understand this. You never you never live in the Middle East. You don't speak Arabic, but you become magnet to those people, the, the Iraqis, the, 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 the Palestinians, the, the Saudis, they love you so much. Wherever you are, they gather, they, they call you brother Zakaria. This is my friend Zakaria. This is my, you see women with hijab, they will come to the office and say, hi, is my friend Zakaria is here? It's like, what is this? That's like a lesson. Yeah. For international, if you don't value them, value the relationships, you will never win them. Yeah. It's like, you got to show them love. Yeah. If you don't win their confidence, they don't have a time to listen to you. But if I, you tell them they will just listen to one ear, it's going to go out to one ear. First, you capture their heart. When they see they can trust you, they can have a confidence that for sure, Chad loved me and he can go extra mile for me. Yeah. I am telling you, you already want their heart. And they will believe what you say more than anything else. Yeah. You know, people are asking me, is that hard to lead an Iraqi to cry Jesus or a Sudanese to cry Jesus mm -hmm. or a Palestinian or somebody from Bahrain. In fact, all lead people to cry Jesus from all these countries I mentioned. Okay, I can mention more than that, more than this. But I tell mm -hmm. people, listen, first is God is winning the hearts. Our responsibility is to share. But yeah. however, international people are the same. They are very relational. Yes. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. You know, as um, I've uh, gotten to serve in different countries around the world, cities, man, there's, there is a gravitational pull for all of the Africans <laughs> and to come together. And um, there is around, you know, tons of opportunities for gospel conversations around meals, around fellowship, and um, there's opportunity to help each other. And, and I, I found the same thing to be true that, um, and they're so happy to have a, have a friend. Well, Matt, how has serving in Africa quarterly on mission trips and then connecting with our African Leadership Weekly shaped you as a leader? Yeah, I think that um, just as a believer in general, I think that we grow up reading the Bible in the West somewhat allegorically or metaphorically. And then you go over to Africa and you see that this this is uh, this is happening in real time. Like people are coming to Christ every day, you know, and um, and you just see kind of the Bible in three dimensions. And it, and it makes me and the people that go on short-term trips, they go to experience it, it. It makes them more excited to come back and serve in their local church. Hmm. Uh, because when you, when you deal with things hypothetically, um, it's just theory. But when you go and see God move and God work, uh, that becomes addicting. And you kind of, you kind of realize that you've been settling for something um, that's not what we're intended to have. So um, you see it just with the authority of, that God has in um in Africa, just how he's moving throughout the churches, calling people among themselves. You know, I just saw a statistic today that said in, in 1900, they estimate that there were 9 million believers in the entire continent of Africa in the year 2000. They mm. think that number jumped to 380 million wow. in a hundred years. And um, if you just look at like, like uh, Zach and, and um, Mike were saying just how relational people are, they serve people in Africa and uh their idea of evangelism isn't just to go stand and like preach. They go and they serve people and they love people. And um, that's, a, that's a, that's an example we get from Jesus is before he just uh, starts preaching at people, he would heal them. He would feed them. He would serve them. He would establish credibility with them, show that he loved them. And then he would, then he would talk to them about uh, being the son of God. So um, for me going to Africa and then coming back here, 
uh, it, it just makes me more excited to serve, honestly. And um, it's not hypothetical. It's um, it's real. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Jesus's encounter with the, the woman at the well, the superior woman. Um, and that's such a great model for multicultural ministry and uh, engaging different people because there's always a place that they gather together in a community and all we have to do is go there and and like zach said man they they want friends they want to build a relationship and it's easy to to for us to, to do that um yeah and that, that's really hard for people in the west because we're so isolated you know the garage door goes up we pull in the garage door goes down and uh we we literally build walls between us and our neighbors and fences and we're not we're just not as communal as the africans yeah, you're exactly right. Um, well, well, Zach, as as you've man, you've had tons of opportunities to lead people to Christ in Temple Terrace. Uh, one of my favorite stories about that is uh, your friend that was a Sudanese. Uh, will you tell us that story? Um, yeah, it was uh, really interesting. It's a uh, it's a he's a he's a good good friend, very very close friend, very smart, a businessman in the Middle East, and uh, uh, he ended up over there, but also a very devoted Muslim. Like uh, if you, if from a Sudan, you can lead a mosque in the Middle East, you must really, really know Islam very well. Yeah. So this guy is is really, really loaded. He's very, very educated. We, we become very good friends. So um, I always share the gospel and the opportunity I get. So one day he tell me like, hey, Zach, you know what? Well, let me tell you something. Hey, you're very good friend. And I love you. Very good friend. Very good African brother. But uh you got to understand, Jesus can't save nobody. Hmm. He's just a prophet. I respect him as one. Islam, we respect him as one. So just stop wasting your time. I love your friendship. But if you can just put Jesus aside, I think like we can just, I say, like, oh, that's fine. I'm just telling you the truth. What I know, he changed my life and he can change yours. So in our friendship, we continue. I was just uh, praying. I said, like, Lord, will you just convince his heart so you can give him an opportunity to just Keep on sharing. So one day he came to my office, uh, we chat, and uh, he told me, like, hey, um, you know that discussion that you keep on bringing back? I know that you're not going to quit. But how if we discuss life after death once a week? I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I said, yes. I said, give me a day. Give me the day. Give me the time. I will be there. What do you want to meet? He said, he told me, like, in his house. I said, absolutely. I will be there. But you gotta understand this guy is uh he's really a community leader. Yeah. Like the Sudanese pretty much make him like um uh, the leader here in Tampa Bay area. Like they're always in his house. Um he goes also to the big mosque that we have here. Chad, I don't know if you visit the mosque on Sly, which is pretty yet. much oh one of the biggest here, I believe, in America. Yeah. So he's well known down there to um so we start meeting and we start, he said, well, let's, let's take from the creation. So I, he told me like, you have to give me a Bible in Arabic. I order a Bible in Arabic. I give him the Bible in Arabic. So he start reading it and he has his Quran. Whenever I show up, I show up with my Bible. So he said, well, let's start from creation. He said, if you don't mind, I'm going to compare to whatever you guys say in the Bible. I said like, no, the word of God said, amen. We didn't write the Bible by our own strength. He said, well, I'm going to compare the two books. I said, well, yes, praise God. Just go ahead. We start from the origin of creation, Abraham, Isaac, you know, they believe that is not Isaac that was offered as Ishmael. And so um, I think what is really get complicated when we come to the sin, origin of sin, yeah, he believe in that, you know, the solution of sin. 
he started getting frustrated because in the Quran, really, there's none. Yeah. There's none. Um, he told me like, uh, no, Zach, this doesn't make sense. I have to call Middle East. There's some big imams over there that also respect. Say, like, take your time. You call them, I will give you how many weeks you want. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, after that, I will tell you the solution of sin in the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, few weeks, we, we we keep on meeting. He told me like, hey, Zach, Zach, I'm sorry, but nobody knows. It's not in the, it's not in the Quran. He said, just try to do good. Maybe God will have mercy on you, but... Mm -hmm. I'm start getting confused. So why not? Then we're gonna die. We don't even know what we're going to. It's like, well, that's the question. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's so simple in the word of God, in the in the in the Bible. It's clearly Jesus Christ that for our sin. I given the passages, he read himself. But I'm trying to keep it very friendly because it's a very intellectual conversation because this guy is really educated. Mm -hmm. So he knows he knows his stuff too. So uh one day I get to his house, I park the car. Honestly, I have a, such a sincere conversation with the Lord in the car. I say, Lord Jesus, I am just tired. Tired of sharing the gospel with this guy. Mm -hmm. So today, I'm going to give myself a break. I will not going to tell him anything about Jesus unless he asked me or he mentioned your name. Mm -hmm. So I pray. I had my peace. I knocked at the door. He came in. As soon as he opened the door, guess what? He has the Bible in his hand. Wow. So I said, hey, what's this green book? It's like, come on, this is the Bible that you gave me. He said, by the way, um, we need to talk. I said, okay. So there's about like five, seven Sudanese in the living room. So they, I know them. They know me. Hey, Zakaria, <laughs> how are you doing? How about, how about we talk a little bit? And uh, so he sent them off. He said, hey, I'm going to have a talk with our, our brother. Will you just got, let's let's pick up next, next, next day. So he sent them off. And we start talking and then he's, uh, I don't know, he kind of uh, not feels secure. And he's like, why don't we just go to my bedroom? So we went to his to his bedroom. Then he told me like, listen, this week I had no peace. I had no sleep. Mm -hmm. The more I read the Bible, the more disturbed I get. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a holy yeah. person. I just can't find why he should die. Mm -hmm. Because there's no cause really a tangible cause that he should die. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell God, it's like, I told you that last time and I will tell you again. Yeah, He died for you and for me. For all the millions of people that are out there trying to make peace with God. And there's no way that anybody can be saved and see God except through him. I want to get again, I bring up the verses, he check out himself. He will sit on his bed. And he stood up. I was thinking like, yeah, I said, well, let's go back to the living room. And he knelt before in the front of his bed. He let this hand up. He said, it's a career. I need Jesus. Wow. I need Jesus right now. Yeah. I was shocked. I said, God, is this real? Is it really happening? <laughs> I, didn't know what's happening. I didn't know what to say. I was like, is this, this real? And um, he prayed to receive Jesus now. And after that, I didn't know what to say. I was just confused. I'm happy at sometimes. Okay. I said, like, Lord, you know, when something happened that you're not pretty much happened time with it for me, like, I know the Lord can do it, but I'm not expecting it that day. Even after I tell the Lord, I'm not going to even tell him about you. So I left. He called me twice, no, three times during that week to pray over the phone with him. And the next week I, I visited him. So I saw the map that they do the Muslim prayer. He rolled it, he put it on one side. 
I said, hey, man, um, you, you stop praying because I saw you. So you're praying mad on one side. He started laughing. He says, I, that's not who I am. I don't believe in that. Yeah. I'm a follower of Nabi Isa, so I can't do that. Even if I want to, I can't. Say yes. Oh, we sat down and he was, uh, he asked a few questions about assurance of salvation. By the first step, you know, what he should do. I said, like, you know, we start reading the book of John. I want you to know, we're going to start going back on the book of John again. Uh, we're going to go to Galatians. I'm picking up some passages that's given assurance of salvation. And then he told me, like, I want you to teach me how to pray. He said, because, you know, I pray five times. It's like, well, now in Christ Jesus, you can pray more than five times. You can pray 10 times. You can pray 20 times. You can pray three times a day if you if you want. And I said, like, um, it's, it's good. It's time, like, I love praying. I like the way that you pray for me. I was like, well, you'll be able to pray for yourself. And now you even pray for me now, amen, because you are my brother in Christ Jesus. Um, he was so happy that day. Following week, he called me in the night, 11 p.m. He said, hey, listen, I'm not in Tampa. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Tampa. I said, what are you saying? I'm at, at the airport. I don't want you to be surprised. He said, I can't stay. He said, Zach, I can't stay. I'm in danger here. It's like, what do you mean you're in danger? It's like, they have noticed. They have noticed I'm a, I'm a full of Christ Jesus and um, I don't want them, the news to get to the mosque. I maybe even get to the mosque because to be honest with you, most of the top guys, Middle Eastern Muslim goes to that mosque and he's well known down there. So yeah. I say, where are you going? He said, he's going to Texas. I said, do you have address? And he's like, yes, he's like, but I'm not going to tell you that now. I will tell you later when I get there. Yeah. He get there, he called me, trying to, to, to really stay in touch. He was welcomed by two Middle Eastern friends. They're not Sudanese, they're Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. They welcome him. Uh, uh, he asked them, he said, hey, um, he didn't tell them about what happened to his life. He said, hey, how if we uh, start discussing life after death once, once a week? They agree. And in three months, they, are, they become followers of Christ Jesus. Wow. So now three of them have been a Bible study in this apartment. So I tell them like, hey, um, how if you guys come down here so we can baptize you? And yeah. at the beginning, he agreed. They all agreed. But a few days after that, he hesitated. They said, like, Zach is not secure. Yeah. They refuse. So I'm trying to connect them with the church, some Baptist church over there in Texas. I was like, hey, listen. Um, you can tell them like you know people from this church. You can call. We're gonna keep it private and secret for you guys. Um, whatever we can to protect your privacy, I understand. He was telling me like if I'm a regular Muslim, a common Muslim, it's like a, who cares? He said, but I'm not one. Yeah. And I, I strongly believe some of the Sudanese are still connected with him. To be honest with you, I I don't know now how many of them he led to Christ Jesus, but I know if he led those. A Middle Eastern to Christ Jesus, heal a lot of Sudanese to Christ Jesus. Yeah. Uh, last time, uh, one of the Sudanese, I met uh, one of them that moved out. He was telling me, like, recently he met him. He was telling me, like, Zach is totally different person now. Yeah. Are you guys still connected? I don't tell him, like, a no or yes. But I was like, you know what? I um, always thought about him and thought about you guys. I always pray for you. And he said, like, listen, 
if you see him now, then the person that you know is not the same. So it's like, what you notice? Is he still leading you guys? Like, no, he's not. He's not, but I want you to talk to him first. But he didn't know that we still connected time to time. So now, uh, beyond him here, there's still a lot of them that I'm still connected. Uh, I can pop up 20 to 30 names of Sudanese out of my head. Wow. <laughs> I can tell you. I still eat with them. I still go to their places. If I didn't come, they will call. If I didn't show up, they will call me and say, what's happening, brother? We didn't see you. Yeah. And um, three that I believe are still around, hardly, they, I don't know, it's hard for them to connect with the church. Yeah. But when I go to the house, we can sit and have Bible study. We can talk and we can pray. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they will come to church. They will stick to themselves. They stay at the back. I think there's still the culture shock that they still have to deal with. If I'm around during a Bible study, because we have a community group at the church, when they came to the community group, they relaxed because I was just around. And they start telling their stories a little bit. But when they go to the main church, because they're not used to the songs, they listen to the preaching, they will ask questions. Um, but I know a longer time that will change also as well. Most importantly, what I'm teaching them Listen, it's not just you are believers in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand that you have to tell your friends. Mm. Let's pick up one person. Yeah. So, and I know that uh, that friends, that Imam, he is leading a lot of them to Christ Jesus now. All glory to the Lord. That's awesome. It's a great picture of you applying 2 Timothy 2 2, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great, great story. That's beautiful. Well, Zachary, what do churches need to do differently in the U.S. in order to reach Africans living in their communities? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, I strongly believe uh, passion is one of them. Listen, yeah, no, you're right. No, I think passion is one. But uh, I was actually asking Zachary Potts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm giving him. There's another. There's a Zachary on the call. Yeah, that's Zachary. Yeah. yeah. We're uh, we're sharing a, a common name, so yes, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit confusing. Yes, I think uh, when you listen to this, um, you, you really just hear how important that relationship is, um, and we're gonna have to get out of our comfort zone if we want to be able to reach other cultures. And so, um, man. Uh, as a younger man, I found that community oftentimes like through sports and, and basketball, um, uh, one of the, a great opportunity where we had a, a, a mixture of uh, men from teenagers up into their 40s all coming together to, to play basketball. And we, we use that as an opportunity to, to do Bible study while we're there and, and then lead into those conversations. Um, you know, with where they're at in life and and um, then hopefully have a gospel conversation with them. And so I think we have to expect um, other people to be um, a little bit different than us and just be willing to, to meet them where they're at. Um, but I think that you see that these same things that uh, Zach there at Mission Hill is talking about um, all over the place, whether someone was born here or uh, moved here from from somewhere else, they just they carry those traditions and that community together. And so, um, when you get into um, I work uh, with a lot of uh, Hispanic people 
and they are the, they're very similar. They like to spend time with one another. They are, their families get together. They eat together. Food is the a common bond. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so all the ministry, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. So, you know, have a meal and you can, you know, and people will show up. And so, yeah, I think, I think keying in on that relationship piece and being able to meet people where they're at and, and it, have people in your home that we, it's talked about in churches all across the U.S., I'm sure, and there's lots of books written about it, and we're hearing it from Zach here as well, how important it can be to have somebody in your home um, at a time when so many people are separated. Yeah. Um, I think you can really, really impact somebody by spending time with them one-on-one. Uh, one -on -one. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just uh, add to what Zach was saying. You know, I tell people here, I have a volunteers team that helped me with the ESOL program that we have here so i was telling like listen sometimes i'm like oh i don't i've never uh mingled with international i don't know what to do uh it's different cultures like listen every human being need hospitality and love i say you don't need to be an expert just come around uh i say i break them sometimes into small group of conversation they will ask you questions they'll ask you even about american culture or how you do things it's like just be be just just be there and be open and get ready when when the door is open for you to share the love of god i said don't hesitate mm -hmm. it is very very important and it's like listen if you if you did not make yourself available and show people's love there's no way that you that's why you know some people can't even share the gospel it's like why oh, not relate with people i took my kids to a soccer program mm -hmm. uh in one area of the temple i didn't know there's a bunch of muslim over there they come and just start playing football and playing soccer. And then so when we we went there, me and my wife, and then my boy is like 10 years old. And so he went, the coach was trying to treat them. When I looked the other side, I see a bunch of guys, some from um, uh, some part of Africa, even some Sudanese, and some from the Middle East, just kicking ball. There's no referee, there's no no regulation, like falls and that, but they're just joyful just to keep on. So, and then my wife turned around in a minute. She didn't see me. When she looked back, she saw me like dressed up with my work clothes and I just kicking ball laughing. It's like, look at this guy. You brought your son and you he's over there. And then we spent about, about 30, 40 minutes just playing soccer with them. Like a, I would get so dirty. I messed up my clothes. I was so happy at the end. They all sit down. We shook hands. And guess what? I tell them who I am. And I sneak in through telling them who I am, how long I've been here. And I share the gospel. I said, here I am. I had a fun. Playing soccer with them, you know, I don't know. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. We're just kicking the ball. And yes. guess what? We had the fun. And at the end, I, I shared the love of Jesus. Yes. Can you imagine if I just watch acting professional? I just come from work. I'm here to see my son watching. The ball. I missed an opportunity. Yes. They were so happy to say, hey, brother, are you going to be there tomorrow? I said, sure. As soon as I drop my son, you can see me. I'll be there yes. kicking ball with you. Because guess what? Some of you will hear the gospel. Yeah, and you know, Chad, I I cultivate a a sense of whatever I am. I just be praying for the lost. Mm -hmm. I tell people, listen, uh, it's very important to be mindful that there's some people today they will close their eyes from this earth and will go to hell. Mm -hmm. I still have uncles in my family that are Muslim. Close blood relationship. Mm -hmm that are not still believers. And I pray for them every single day. And I pray for God to send somebody to them that will share the gospel with them. You know, if I go to Publix, the first thing that I do, 
before I pick up the what brought me into that public to buy, I start praying. I said, God, there's a bunch of people here. I don't even know how many of them. Yeah. But you know how many people are in this public and you know them by name. That's that's amazing. You are amazing. You know them by name and you know who they are. I say, you know who is saved and you know who is not saved. Yeah. I say, please, those who are saved, strengthen their faith in you. Let them grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And let them be disciples and be witness of your love to others. And I say, Lord, those who do not know you, some know they're heading to hell. Some, they have no peace. Some, they didn't even know they're just living with no meaning. Yeah. I say, please send them somebody. Bring the gospel to them. Reveal yourself to them through vision and dreams, whatever. Send them, let them turn on TV to get to hear about you. And I say also in my prayer, if there's anybody here that you want me to talk to, I'm available, Lord. Yeah. So I walk into the aisle, I'll take, put a can of uh, beans or whatever. And before you know, somebody will ask me, hey, what are you looking for? Some, And guess what? Right there, I get a personal peace. Yeah. Then I start talking to this person friendly. I start asking questions or answer his questions. And before you know, before I walk away from that person, I will make sure I tell them about love of Jesus. Yeah. And I've done that so many times. And I saw people in different walks of life pray with me in the store, at the gas stations. Mm -hmm. My goodness, at the park. You just have to be mindful. Yeah. There's a lot of people today they would die and go to hell. Yeah. We just got to tell them, listen, we can't save anybody. If I can save Temple Bay area, one day will be too much. I will hit the street. But our responsibility is to share the love of Jesus, to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus. The rest of the Holy Spirit will do his work. You know, he said, no one has the power to come to me unless the Holy Spirit draws him to the Lord. So when we share the gospel, we're our part. And that person can be saved that day. Or you so see it and somebody will watch and maybe five years he will come across somebody. Oh yeah, this person told me that five years, somebody that I met at a public or somebody I met on the street mm. or somebody on a mission trip that I talked to. Mm. He showed me so much love. Yeah. And then you have no idea. What love will do? There's two Muslim ladies from uh, uh, Dubai. Mm. They always, always argue with me at my Bible study here because I have after their class we have Bible study with a uh, with, with Muslim. I call it Muslim Bible study. People are like, "You're crazy." They will not gonna show up. I say, "Guess what? Curiosity. They're gonna show up. Muslim and the pap. The first day, seventeen show up. I opened the book of John because a lot of similarity in the book of John and in the Quran." They believe he's, he's, he's the word of God, the spirit of God. So I just start teaching, but those two ladies will fight, will say, no, this is not true. You Christian, you think like you just believe in Jesus and he will give you heaven. The daughter is mom and daughter, but even daughter is an adult. She's not really just like, she will go in the internet, print everything that she can get hold of. That is dismantling Christianity, denying the deity of Christ Jesus. She will bring it to the class. She will attack mission. I've never stopped smiling, sharing the love of Jesus until one day they decided to move. They, they moved to Chicago, some places. I lost contact with them. About seven months later, a friend that used to help me volunteer 
uh, my group volunteer, stick in contact with them. He would call them once a week to just check on them. He called them that week. They tell me like, hey, uh, it's been a month that we didn't talk to Zakaria. We want you guys to know, please tell him that we believe us of Christ Jesus and we're serving in a church right there in Chicago. You imagine how many months I spent going to their places with a friend and here at the church telling about Jesus, shut down the door. They see me just like somebody they need to combat, somebody they need to stand against. Yeah. But they end up becoming a believe, become believers of Christ Jesus. Right now they're serving in the church. In fact, the mother is serving a children's department from Dubai. Now strong believers. I couldn't believe when I called them, they start crying. I was crying, they're crying. The daughter says, Zach, I just want to tell you sorry. I fought you more than you can. He said, and you never get mad. You never stop smiling. You always show me love. And today, I'm your sister in Christ Jesus. And Chad, one thing that I want to add to this conversation. Christian think like, you know, well, it's me. I have the power. I have my presentation. I said, if I talk to 10 people that are not believers, I will share the gospel with them 10 different ways. Mm -hmm. I will take a sentence that somebody say, I will turn that sentence into a gospel conversation. Yeah, that's because so I in, my interest is in his life and for his soul and for his salvation through Christ Jesus. So as I'm not this Jehovah witness that has only one method. If you block them, they say, we'll come back tomorrow. No, you can't block Jesus. You can't block the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to share the gospel. So this lady blocked me in uh, one verse, oh. um, John chapter 1, verse 12. To those who accept and believe in him, given the right to become children of God, she will hit the table. Rubbish is from Iraq. Hmm. This is crazy. That is maybe I'm um, um, I've been nice to people. I don't lie. I cover my body. I cook my for my husband. I did all these kind of things. I said like, well, with all this, are you going to heaven? I don't know. I said, well, that is so beautiful. It's trusting in Jesus will give you heaven, not your deeds. One Thursday, I was about to to do the Bible study with them. I went there. We started twelve thirty. I went eleven. I knelt down on the floor. I start crying. I said, Lord. You say in your word that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. I'm not the power. The gospel is the power. There's no preacher. It's like, oh, this is a powerful preacher. It's like, listen, the power is in the gospel. One has come to salvation. Christ only can save, and that power is in the gospel. It's like, now it's been four weeks. I can't move forward because of this one lady. She will stand, and she will disturb the class, and the other Muslim that they can speak up to me because out of respect, they're so happy. Yeah, yeah, now we find somebody to just stand up to Zach. Until that day, we sat down again. We ate. I opened the Bible. I said, okay, guys, we're going to start where we stopped. I was smiling. John chapter 1, verse 12. To those who accept, to those who believe and accept and be given the right to become children of God. The whole room was quiet. So everybody, the expectation is she's going to start again, stop the class. Beautiful lady, cover her head with her job. This time, she did not disturb the class. She stood up. She put her hands on her chest. And she repeated three times, now I believe in Jesus. Now I believe in Jesus. Now I believe. She started crying. Mm -hmm. She put her head on my shoulders. She wet my shoulders with tears. Mm -hmm. And you tell me if that's not the power of the Holy Spirit. Only God can do that. Absolutely. So that's such Only a great God can do that. Yeah, that's such a great picture, Zach, of 
and how to how to go to places where people are already going, like the public grocery store or Walmart. Or, it's kind of like the African market. You know, they're all gathering <laughs> in these different places. So that's really good. That's excellent. Well, Mike, as you hear all these stories, um, how does American evangelism need to be shaped by our African leaders? I think we're clearly hearing over <clears throat> the overwhelming message of the day is relationships and yes and love and and i think what i heard zach say so well was um you know it's not really about the presentation as much as it is about relating to the who you're talking to loving them meeting them where they are spending time i mean i had a it's it's an old cliche how do you spell love t-i-m-e you know and i hear that i hear that with zach so it's just <laughs> I think just, you know, making space and time for people, being genuinely interested in them, praying for them, loving them. Mm. Um, and then when it's time to, you know, finding hooks mm. through those conversations to naturally bring it, the conversation to Jesus um, is a real, I mean, I, I'm, I'm encouraged just listening to, uh, to Zach and how he did, how he's done that um, today. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible what, what God is doing. You know, as we think about the the different revivals happening, you know, Asbury and Lee and mm -hmm. Sanford, uh, it's it's exciting to see man this next generation kind of worshiping and their their lives being transformed. And um, something that I've I've noticed is man, when you take college students to Africa and they come back, they come back changed forever and they're on fire and you have similar kinds of things happen on, on campus as a result because in Africa it's all about relationship and then also there is a belief I'm convinced among African leaders that they truly believe that nothing is impossible for God and so of course there's going to be revival of course there's going to be <laughs> these these life-changing experiences because of the Holy Spirit and uh, the faith that they have is, is powerful. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, for this Empower One Network conversation. There's so much that we can learn from our African leaders, and we would love to, to take you on a, on a mission trip with us. We have several mission trips available at our website, empower-one.org. Uh, you can click on that and uh, reply to join one of those trips. There, those are great opportunities to learn from our African leaders, and you can actually meet uh, evangelists just like Zach, uh, who will help you learn how to share your faith in context in Northeast Africa, and then do that when you come back home. So I'm going to thank you again. Thank you to all our, our donors who make uh, ministry like this possible. So thank you for your time today. And thank you for joining us for another Empower One Network conversation.